Here's a second business idea for you. Now that I just want to be on the Philly Godfather uh, business, you can buy the Water Boys just for sixty thousand dollars a year salaries and benefits, and we'll do whatever you ask. I can take a tongue lashing like on anyone else. You can just yell at me. We'll I'll just be the guy you can me. yell at. Welcome back to another episode of the Water Boys Podcast, member of the Crossing Broad Podcast Network. I am Coach Gary. With me, as always, is Mr. Kyle Pagan. But before we get to today's show, let me tell you about our friends at Three Dimensional Physical Therapy. Tired of pretending that nagging pain in your back, shoulder, or knee isn't really bothering you? You don't need to wait for a doctor's appointment, x-ray, or pain pills. You can see a physical therapist like the pros do to get you better, faster, and easier than you'd think. Three Dimensional Physical Therapy are the specialists in sports orthopedic PT, and you can get moving again. 3DPT is owned by physical therapists, not a hospital or physician group. Their only focus is getting you back to your best possible health, whether it's getting back to the gym or golfing without pain. You can get one-on-one time with a physical therapist and personalized care. They have five locations in South Jersey and were voted the best in South Jersey. Three-dimensional physical therapy will get you moving again. Their info is below or visit 3DPT.com. Again, that's 3DPT.com to learn more. Kyle. It's it's a it's a different type of interview today. We had the Philly Godfather on. We talk about basically the movie in which is his life, and we even get into just like I don't, I don't even know where to go with it. It was it was a fun interview. If you're a sports gambler, this is an interview you should be listening to. Did it make you feel like you'd want to do more in your life? I feel like the, the what's the craziest thing you ever did? I've I've been I don't know. I got put in handcuffs one time because I got caught smoking weed in like a parking lot. I got PC'd in the closet. That's about yeah. it. <laughs> it's like, well, that's the craziest thing I've ever done. This guy. Like a security guard. He, got, he had a gun, though, so that counts, right? Okay. It does. My guys had guns, too. They were Yeah, he had a gun. So I was like, hey, listen, this guy could shoot me if he wanted to. So I, I, I listened. I mean, it went from stories about meeting El Chapo to sports gambling stories to the Tim Donahue. He's got friends that were linked to the Tim Donahue referee scandal to an Alan Dershowitz story in, in the back end. Like, we, we already signed off. He told the Alan Dershowitz story like it was uh, a Marvel movie. Like, he had to wait right. for the credits. Yeah. I mean, listen, it was one of the more interesting interviews we've ever done. One of the most enjoyable interviews I've ever done. Um, And we've we've had some pretty big names on with us, but let's not delay it any longer. Let's kick it right over to the interview with the Philly Godfather. All right. We're joined here by the Philly Godfather of the Philly Godfather.com. Steve, thanks for, uh, thanks for the Florida Vandy under first half pick today. You're already winning me money for the day. Yeah. We just catched that, uh, Seton Hall ticket on the Pirates. It went to overtime, but they should have never got there. I mean, the team out-rebounded St. John's. Uh, they shot better. They had a better uh, field goal percentage. The turnovers killed them today, and that's the only reason why the game went to overtime. We laid two on Seton Hall. The game went to three. There was sharp opposition that took St. John's plus three, but uh, we won in overtime. Seton Hall is just too big, man. If you look at their effective height ratio, they're one of the biggest teams in college basketball. So they're a scary team as long as they don't turn the ball over. And you had Georgetown today? They won outright? Yeah, they went out right. We had Georgetown. Uh, yeah, we just keep firing. We're, we're having a good march. Uh, thank God. Cross our fingers. It continues because it is, you know, it's gambling. It's not fortune telling. So I try to you know, tell people all the time, you got to pump your brakes. You got to bet accordingly. And you can't go, you can't go crazy, but, you know, huge amounts of money when you're, you know, when you're on fire, because if you increase your bet size at the wrong time, you can definitely kill your bankroll. Yeah, well, I, I did that exact thing when you uh, just threw out your Morgan State pick. So if I lose that one, that's just my bankroll down. So I just did exactly what you told me not to. Um, but hey, that's why I'm not the professional and you are. But uh, so I wanted to start, you know, when people say 
my life is a movie. It's usually on Instagram and they're like in the bottle service at the club or whatnot. But like you have a legitimate like movie life that you could sell the rights to that like people would, millions of people would probably watch. So like, I really want to start from the beginning. Um, I feel like hard work was instilled in you early. You're slinging hot dogs out of your dad's food truck at eight years old. You know, what did yeah. you learn from that experience? And that's like kind of taking you throughout life and what you're doing now. Man, I'm actually kind of glad Instagram wasn't around when we were growing up because I'd probably be <laughs> a thousand years in prison. <laughs> but, you know, like back then, you know, you got in a fight with someone. Afterwards, you made up, you went and had a beer with somebody. Today, you're looking at, you know, a couple years in prison for having, like, the laws have gotten out of hand, I think, in my opinion. Now, uh, you know, things were a lot more lenient. You used to drive a car with no insurance. Now you get caught with no insurance. They lock you up. Like, things have changed a lot since we were kids. Uh, but I learned the value of a dollar at a young age. Uh, my dad put me in a hot dog cart at the age of eight. I was selling pretzels and hot dogs. And it was a great education because it really taught me a lot, helped me with my social skills because I was a quiet kid. And we, when you're dealing with the public and you're talking to everyone, eventually you open up and you learn how to speak to people, communicate with people. You learn how to connect with people. And uh, you also learn the value of hard work. I mean, you know, I remember going to Federal Pretzel on 9th and uh, Ninth in Washington, we were, I was picking up pretzels for like 12 cents a piece and we would sell them for 25 cents. So we were making 12 cents a pretzel and I would sell a couple hundred of them a day just to, you know, just to survive. So, um, yeah, I mean, hard work teaches you a lot of lessons. Uh, it instills a little bit of grit in you. I mean, I always tell, taught my kids when they were growing up, uh, you know, the struggle builds character. And if you don't have a little bit of struggle and you're always spoiled throughout your whole life and then something bad happens, you really don't know how to react to it. So you need you need a lot of ups and downs and hopefully you have a lot more ups and downs in your life. But the downs is what really uh, molds you as a person, I think, and, and creates you as a man. And then um, your first introduction to gambling, you're moving money for the legendary Billy Walters. Insane. Like, what 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 was it like moving so much money at such a young age? Because if I'm if I'm correct, you, you drop out of Monsignor Bonner at ninth grade. You start yeah. moving money for one of the biggest gamblers. I mean, millions and millions, hundreds of thousands of dollars at such a young age. What was that like? What do you remember from that? Man, that was a few years after I actually dropped out. I remember working at a pizza shop, making like three bucks an hour, working 90 hours a week. And uh, I was telling myself, this can't be, you know, this, this isn't me. And then uh, a friend of mine that I grew up with, he approached me and he basically said, listen, man, I know you got, you know, a lot of people, you're, you know, you're a people person. Uh, find me some bookmakers and we can make some money. And my instant reply to him was, what do you mean? I mean, all these gamblers are all dead broke. They all lose their money. They don't know what the hell they're doing. Uh, he goes, no, these games don't lose. So I started laughing and chuckling a little bit. And he said, just find me a couple books. So I found him some, you know, some, some outs on the streets some street books. Because back then, uh, you know, it was, it was actually frowned upon. It was kind of taboo. It was illegal, obviously. But, uh, you know, taking bets, placing bets was never illegal. But taking bets always was. So I found him a couple bookmakers. And, uh, you know, he's giving me the games. I'm putting them in with, with the books and we start winning every week. And about eight weeks later, I said to myself, these games either have to be fixed or something's going on. So I approached my buddy. I said, are these like hot games or fixed games? He goes, no, he goes, he goes, there's some real sharp guys that uh, research the market. And that was the first time I heard anyone talk about sports betting as a market. I was 18 years old. And he goes, it's just like the stock market, real estate market. You know, the numbers fluctuate, they go up and down. and you know, we got some real sharp guys that uh, research these games, handicap these games, and they come up with an educated guess, a real weighted opinion, and they back their opinion with a lot of money, and they win. So I gave it about another two months, and he had me fully convinced at the time. This is back in, like, 1987. And uh, 
I said, listen, how many more books do you want? He goes, as many as you can get. And I went out there and I found a bunch of books. Next thing you know, I had about 60 uh, you know, books I was bent with. And uh, we were making a ton of money. And then we, they, he actually moved me into this office with a bunch of other sports bettors up there in, uh, in uh, Broomall. And it was uh, me, it was Rooster, Tiger, Sheep. Uh, obviously, everyone knows who Sheep is. Uh, he's the guy that was involved in the NBA betting scandal with uh, Tim Dunahee. Yeah. And that happened years later. But uh, we were moving big money, and we had an office set up. We had our stat paper. We had our phones. We called the bat phone in the middle of the office, and Sheep would answer the bat phone when it rang. And on the other line was either Billy Walters or Stevie Z or Billy Baxter, a bunch of sharp guys back then. And they would give us the move. And we were basically movers. We weren't handicappers at that time. We weren't originators. And he would scream out, you know, Eagles minus six. And we would call all the bookmakers as fast as possible and try and lay the six everywhere before, you know, the lines changed. And back then, most of the bookmakers didn't even change their lines. Don Best wasn't around. Uh, They used newspaper lines. Now, some of the sharper guys that were hip to it, they would, you know, they would adjust their price. But uh, we were getting down large amounts of money and we would turn it in and we would get a percentage back then. We were kids and it was so exciting back then. It was so new and it was so cool. It was just, you know, you were part of something that was, that nobody else was doing. It was, it, it was a real cool time in my life. And that's how we started uh, over 30 years ago. I was just lucky to know some of the sharpest, you know, guys in the business back then. And through the years, we created a great network. And later on, we basically decided that, you know, all, I saw all these movers become expendable. You know, they would get room, they would get their outs, and then they didn't need them no more. So I said, we have to learn how to start handicapping these games, how to start reverse engineering these moves and try and figure out what these guys are looking at. Uh, this way, we don't become expendable. And that's how we became originators. And that's how we started, you know, moving the market, uh, you know, steaming the games and, you know, all the other good stuff. Do you remember uh, the the most amount of money you ever moved for Billy in one game? Man, or- back, back then I was moving about 50 dimes a game. This was 30 years ago. That's about fifty thousand dollars for anyone. Uh, who it wasn't that. all. It wasn't all going to Billy because the office got a cut. Billy got a cut. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, but I'll tell you a funny story. Second week in the office, and uh, this is one of the biggest scores I made back then. Michigan. I think Michigan was playing Michigan State, and they sent out the order: Michigan uh, minus two or something. And everyone's betting it, betting it. And I started betting Michigan State plus the two. And I didn't know, like you know. We all turned the tickets in, blah, blah, blah. How much you got? I got 30. I got 40 dimes. I got 20 dimes. I turned in 20 dimes. And after the game, everyone was miserable. It was, it was a pretty big game that we bet. And I was all happy. And I realized I turned in the wrong side. So I actually <laughs> got paid by the office 20000 And the books had it. So it was a 40 dime win for me, but it could have been a, a, a loss the other way. So that was one of the biggest mistakes I ever made in the office at a young age. And I was just lucky enough that – you know, the true position ended up losing, which was very rare back then. I mean, our win percentage was a lot higher. So I was really lucky. And did these, these books start to catch on at one point? Like, I mean, yeah. as, as technology and, and everything. Well, I, I mean, when you beat the brains out of someone long enough, <laughs> you know, they finally scream, no mas. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but, but a lot of those guys were old school bookmakers and they didn't believe anyone could beat them. Now, you got to remember, this was the beginning of the computer, uh, the computer group. Uh, Billy's group, you know, Billy was around a few years before we started working with him, but this was, you know, New York was ahead of us. Uh, before Don Best, New York, we used to call the books in New York, and they were a lot sharper than the books in Philly. And you would ask for a rundown, and they would give you a rundown, and you would see where they adjusted, 
you know, the prices on which games, and you knew they were the games that played was betting. So New York was our Don Best before Don Best came out mm. because they were ahead of Philadelphia with the booze because, you know, the sharp guys out West would bet New York first because they had bigger limits, and then they would contact us in Philly. And where did oh. Vegas kind of play into all this for you guys? Well, I mean, well, what happened was a lot of these books, you know, you get stiff. And uh, through the years, you know, you start losing bookmakers. They start dropping you. They don't pay you. And we knew Vegas, you know, you had a guaranteed paycheck. It was just tricky because we weren't trying to alienate any of the guys we were getting the place from. And we were trying to get down as much as possible. So if we hit the window before they did with the move, they would know about it because they couldn't get down. So they would try to figure out who's betting their games in Vegas at the window before they were. So it was, it was a, you know, a, a tricky thing that we had to manipulate uh, to ensure that we made our money. And uh, that's when we started going out to Vegas and we had some guys out there running for us. And there's so many stories about runners taking off with the money ending up in Tijuana. I mean, they were holding a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars of our money. They would go play blackjack some of these guys and get married and then call us up and say, I lost the money. I mean, you name it, we heard every story you could ever think of. What, what was the Delaware County office like? Cause I just feel like it's like boiler room mixed with like Wolf of Wall Street, like a trading floor. Like Billy calls the bath phone. One of the big whales calls a bath phone and you guys are just smiling and dialing, getting whatever you could in. You're just trying to get down with everyone as soon as possible. And you're trying not to make mistakes. Yeah. And you know, they would give you an order. Eagles minus six. Right. But sometimes you'd see six and a half, you know, everywhere. So sometimes, sometimes you would cheat a little bit or you would try and shave. I mean, Sometimes I, I, I wouldn't turn none in at six and then they would go to lay the six and a half and I would still stay patient. And then he'd say lay the seven, but I had already laid the six for myself. And, I would, and, I, and then I would turn in minus seven. So I was hoping the game landed on seven. So I won and they pushed and I ended up keeping all the money. You know what I mean? So there was a lot of shaving going around too with the numbers. <laughs> yeah. You, um, you touched on, on, on Jimmy Batista, sheep as, as you call him, Baba. Um, obviously, he was a key fing- figure in the NBA uh, referee scandal with Tim Donnie. I think you'd have a really interesting perspective on this because, you know, you, you kind of look at it and the NBA really tried to save face after all that. I mean, they didn't want Donnie on the stand, so they kind of dropped one of the serious charges so he doesn't have to do the stand because I know Batista's lawyer had so much evidence, mounting evidence against him to make him, you know, come out as a corrupt individual. And Donnie, to this day, says he never bet on games and whatnot. But is it safe to say that Tim Donahue wasn't the only referee that might have been in it? And, you know, where's your kind of perspective on that where the whole scandal, and what do you remember from it, really? Because it was a local, it was a, not even a national story, but a, a very big local story. Yeah, I mean, he was on the front page of every newspaper in the country with Jimmy at the time when it happened. Uh, the truth is, Jimmy was facing some big time. Yeah. And when his lawyer threatened to put every other NBA ref on the stand and question him, because in the discovery, before every game started at halftime and after the games were over, fifty I think it was like 52 different referees we were calling each other. So I can't say other refs were involved and other refs were doing this, were doing that. And I don't want to speculate, uh, but as soon as... Jimmy's lawyer threatened the NBA and, 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 you know, the DA with putting the other referees on the stand with the phone calls. Well, his charges dropped from looking at 20 years to a year and a day. Yeah. So, you know, they were worried about that. Um, Timmy, on the other hand, he, he was fixing games without fixing games. I mean, if he didn't rat on himself, I don't think the feds could ever charge them. He actually told on himself and told on Jimmy. And, and, and the problem was, he was calling the game the way you're supposed to call the game. And the feds even said this. They couldn't find any phantom fouls. I mean, it wasn't like they were imaginary fouls. These were real fouls being called. 
he was just calling a lot of them. And, uh, and that's what was pushing a lot of the games over the total. So if you call the game the correct way, okay, well, the total, you know, you're going to be able to make some money because a lot of these times you, you, you watch the NBA, you watch football, there's holding on every call, there's fouls on almost every possession. The refs kind of choose and pick, you know, when, when, when to call them. And uh, Timmy, to his, you know, benefit, he didn't, he didn't call any phantom fouls. But he was, you know, he was manipulating the game, but he, he was doing it by the rules of the NBA Referee Association. So, you know, it is what it is. Is it safe to say you benefited a little bit off of the Tim Donahue stuff? I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're good friends it's with the market. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I mean you're seeing these lines fluctuate four, five, six points. You know, something's going on, you know. Yeah. And, now, and thank God nowadays they got, you know, a bunch of red flags, you know, at the sports books. And uh, they monitor all that stuff these days. So anytime there's a big line move and there ain't a major injury to a star player, you know, they, they kind of like scrutinize those games a little bit more than the others. So when you talk about Tim, what, was there eventually people starting to catch on with some of these people you were dealing with that said, hey, he's wrapping the game. Maybe the over wouldn't pay as much or something like that. Could you see that it was starting to show that he was – fixing games like could you tell the lines were being influenced just by him being at the game i mean i mean <laughs> the games he was reffing were moving like crazy i mean you know anyone who was spent for a long time you'd have to look at it tell yourself what the hell's going on here every time he's rapping, these lines are flying so and then jimmy you know jimmy got smart and he started you know manipulating the line mm-hmm. because it was just too obvious in the beginning so he would you know go over say 208 or 209 game would go to 216 then he'd buy some back Game would close around two thirteen, so he got smart. But in the end, you know, greed greed always gets you. And uh, too many people got involved. Too many people knew about it. You know, it's it's hard to keep a secret like that, especially when big money's involved. Sure. Um, so gambling's obviously gotten gotten big lately with the uh, with with the Supreme Court passing uh, those laws and whatnot. And a lot of the former players, you see like Chris Long, Pat McAfee, like those guys are, are, they have gambling segments on, on their shows and whatnot. And then Josh Shaw obviously gets suspended from the Cardinals last year. Do you think there's, and you know, I know you don't want to speculate or anything, but like, do you think there's active players ever betting on games or, or you think there's maybe someone betting on games for them? Maybe not even their own games, but. I mean, I can't speak for, you know, these NFL players, but I know, there's nothing illegal about it. I mean, boxers do it all the time. You hear Floyd Mayweather always talk about betting on himself. And, you know, as long as you're not trying to manipulate the game. I mean, these guys, everyone. I mean, what's the difference between fantasy football and, and, and betting on sports? The same thing if you're making money off it. So I'd, I'd have to say, yeah, people are betting. I mean, there's nothing wrong with betting as long as you're not, you know, trying to, you know, jeopardize the integrity of the game that you're, you know, that you're playing. Because I know NFL players weren't even allowed in Vegas, I think, up until a year or two ago. I think it was... I don't know if it was Marshawn Lynch. It was two players who were pretty prominent that were like just spotted in Vegas and they got a talking to from the NFL. So <laughs> just thought it would be interesting kind of a yeah. how the things have changed with the franchise there. To be honest, the professional athletes, you don't make so much money. Uh, endorsements are making money. And now with the internet, I mean, they're making more endorsement money than ever. And uh, you never got to worry about, you know, the, the professional athletes. The college kids maybe a little bit because, you know, some of them, you know, they, they don't have the finances and, they're going to big schools and they got scholarships and, you know, they might decide to take a bite of that forbidden fruit one day, but with the professional athlete, you're never going to see that maybe a ref. Uh, but now after, you know, the whole Timmy thing, they're, they're under so much scrutiny and all the lines are being watched and there, you know, there's a microscope on all those guys. So that's even going to be more difficult. 
Uh, if anything, he'd have to worry about the college kids, but uh, yeah, not the pros. Interesting you say that. I mean, I wanted to ask you because obviously your gambling is your profession. Where do you kind of sit on the whole Pete Rose debate? Because he's famously betted on baseball and he says he never betted on a bet against his own team. But where do you kind of sit on Pete Rose, the person, Pete Rose, the baseball player? Do you think he should be allowed in the Hall of Fame or do you think uh, he a, broke the rule? I'm a little biased because I know Pete and uh, he's a nice guy. He's just, uh, I mean, I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. You know, I don't disagree. Uh, he, he, he could, you know, it's baseball. It's not like, you know, I don't, I don't think he ever bet against his team. And um, he was such a great baseball player. He, you know, when, when you think about baseball player, you think about, you know, Pete Rose, you think about Mickey Mantle, you think about guys like that. The guy, I mean, the guy dove into first base, you know I mean? He was the first guy, <laughs> you know, he always played a hundred miles an hour, you know, the Ricky Henderson, Pete Roses. I mean, there's so many great players of the past. Uh, I think he should be in the Hall of Fame, to be honest. I don't think what he did was that bad. Guys have done so much worse. They, you know, beat up their wives. They, you know, all kinds of stuff that I'm not going to name anybody, but right. there's so many worse things you can do than, you know, place a, a $200 wager on a team and watch the game with a little vested interest. I mean, he should be in the <laughs> Baseball is a, kind of a boring sport to a lot yeah, of these guys. a boring <laughs> sport. And he's yeah. undoubtedly the greatest hitter of all time. I mean, his numbers are untouchable. But I guess it always will come back to that cardinal rule. Like if you, I'm, I'm assume you've been in a in a in a, a professional uh, clubhouse where it says don't bet on baseball, and I guess that's really where they got them. Like they have this one rule that's written on the wall everywhere, and they're really sticking to their guns on that. Which I I find one admirable, but two, at some point it gets a little stupid. It's crazy because if you can amend our constitution and uh, you know change things, you should be able to change that too. You know. Life changes, game changes, things that we thought were taboo years ago. Now they're sexy. Now they're fashionable. I mean, mm. marijuana, sports betting, you name it. I mean, years ago it was so bad. Now everyone's into it. Now everyone's promoting it. Now everyone wants a part of it. Yeah. Uh, the reality is it was illegal because they couldn't tax it and make the money from it. Once they Fair. find a way to legalize it and get that tax money, which is a great idea because we need money right now for our infrastructure, mm-hmm. for our schools, our roads. I mean, you think about it, we're like almost 30 trillion in debt as a, as a nation. So uh, now that they found a way to tax it and legalize it, uh, there's nothing wrong. You got you to gotta let Pete in. <laughs> what's, your, uh, what's your favorite Pete Rose story that you can tell? <laughs> None of them. <laughs> <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. The man, the man has lived in Vegas for the last 20 years. So yeah, um, he's, he's a great guy. He signs everything. Yeah. Like my, my dad, I had Pete Rose, everything down in my basement, like hats, even from the Reds, from the Phils, signed plaques of him. The man, if you ask him, you'll ask him to sign a, a toilet seat, he would, he would sign it. I mean, he's, he's so cool. And actually, this might have been back in uh, 2013, we're at the Mandalay Bay with my kids. My kids were younger at the time. And uh, he was signing at one of the stores in Africa, what it was called. Uh, God, I'm thinking of the name. I forget the name. I'm sorry. But uh, I sent my kids in first. And I, I didn't want him to see because he wasn't going to charge me. You know what I mean? And I wanted the guy, you know, I, I hate getting, you know, free stuff's great, but it was the situation he was in. And then he saw me. He's like, get over here. And he put us behind the table and he had to sit down and he just, you know, he was just signing everything for the kids. He didn't charge me. He was just, he's just a good dude, man. Pete's just a good dude. Yeah. Um, can we talk about El Chapo? Before we get into this question, I want to talk to you a little bit about Barsky Diamonds. That's BarskyDiamonds.com, promo code WOODER for 10% off any select jewelry on BarskyDiamonds.com, $3,000 or less. 
You know Barsky Diamonds. They've been around for over 100 years down on Jewelers Row at 724 Sampson Street. They've been a Philadelphia tradition offering the best in value, quality, and customer service. None of their sales associates, of course, work on commission, so making their shop a no-pressure environment. So head down to Jewelers Row at 724 Sampson Street. You got a gift for mom, summer engagements, weddings are coming up. Go down to 724 Sampson Street, Jewelers Row at Barsky Diamonds, or visit BarskyDiamonds.com and use the code WOODER, that's W-O-O-D-E-R, for 10% off selected jewelry, $3,000 or less. Uh... What do you remember? I, mean, I, just, I don't really know the dude. You know what I mean? I, I kind of, you know, I kind of met him once uh, by accident. Um, was he a kingpin at the time, or was he just some 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 dude that just happened to be in a car with you? I didn't know who he was at the time. Okay. Like back then, he was just another guy that had work. You know what I mean? And I met him. Uh, funny story. We we were in a car driving and uh, driving for, it felt like forever. I had a bunch of cash on me and. Uh, one guy kept asking me if I was a cop, and I kept telling him, shut up. And then, uh, like I said, I had a bunch of money on me. So we ended up going to a house, and that's where he was at. And uh, next thing you know, I start counting the money. I count money real fast. And the one guy that was sweating me, thinking I was a cop the whole time, he goes, he's not a cop. He's a banker. And all of a sudden, everyone started cracking up, and it kind of <laughs> broke the ice on the whole situation. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I met him one time. It was no big guy. I didn't know who he was at the time. Yeah. It's like meeting Dr. J when he's, like, 13 years old. Not 13, but, like, you don't know he, he's going to end up being, you know, or Michael Jordan when he's a – you don't know what's going to happen 20, 30 years down the road, dude. So you wouldn't go ever go visit him in Florence, Colorado, I'm guessing. I don't, I don't think no, he'd be I'm, on not your... going, I'm not going to do that. No. <laughs> so um, you, you refer to it as, as probability a lot, not gambling. So obviously you look for certain information, you know, that the regular guy doesn't, and that's why you're so good at your craft and whatnot. Um, have you like adopted the predictive analytics? I know it's like an, the old school gambler versus the new school gambler. It's kind of like when the Red Sox were on, you know, analytics first before everybody else. And the Phillies, I think just got on analytics like two years ago. Were you guys always using like analytics, predictive analysis, or do you use it more now? How do you guys really? It's a combination. Stuff? It's really a combination. Like this time of the year, I look at a lot of regression, uh, you look at overpriced totals in college basketball, you know, you go back to the previous time these two teams played and say the one team had a bad shoot night and they underperformed. And then the bookmaker is going to overjust sometimes on the total. You come back, you know, they're going to regress back to the means to what they're, you know, the, the true medium of that team is. So you, you're looking for mispriced totals, mispriced games. Uh, you look at the qualitative and quant, you know, uh, quantitative factors around the game. You do a lot of reading, man. I mean, uh, you know, if it was just about the number, then every mathematician, every statistician would be multi-gazillionaire betting on sports. And it's not just about the number. Uh, you got to handicap the referees, too. I mean, I talked about it in the Super Bowl, before the Super Bowl. And I talked about, actually, last year when I had futures on San Fran at 28-1 to 1 to win it all when they played Kansas City. I'd read an article about the umpiring crew being uh, a crew that called uh, the least amount of offensive hold calls that year. And I knew with that type of pass rush San Francisco had, and with, uh, you know, that offensive line Kansas City had last year, that that would benefit Kansas City. That would negate some of that pass rush because they weren't going to be calling offensive holding calls. And if you remember, San Francisco dominated that game with about six minutes left. And then uh, uh, Mahomes ran around for like, I don't know, seemed like forever before that deep pass to Tyreek Hill. And there was about six holding calls on that one play. And they didn't call it. And after the, that, you know, the whole game changed, the whole dynamic of the game changed. And then fast forward to this year, I had futures on Tampa Bay of 50-1. to 1. Uh, that I bet before the season uh, started, before the announcement of Tom Brady going to the team. And I read another article that I, re I really liked, that this uh, umpiring crew called some of the most offensive holding calls this year in the NFL. And I knew with that depleted 
offensive line that Kansas City had with all the guys being banged up and that, you know, ferocious pass rush that Tampa Bay had this year, that was going to benefit me. So you got to really look at everything, whether it's the umpires, you know, the metrics, the analytics, uh, who's banged up, who's not banged up, what, you know, what guys coming back on the field are worth to this team, to whether they're offensive production numbers or defensive production numbers. And it's a lot of, this is the offensive efficiency number. This team's better. And you, if you do that, you're going to get crushed, you know, in any market. You really got to get as much information as possible and find some clarity in the market. And then if you find a price that you like, uh, you purchase that price and hopefully you make, you know, you win more than you lose. That's all it is, really. It's a lot of hard work. What sport have you had the most success on being a winner in? I mean, every year it varies, but you haven't had a losing NFL season. And people talk about how the NFL is so hard to beat. Uh, but, you know, uh, college basketball has been great to us. Baseball, you know, so I've had seasons I've won like 100 positions. I've had others I lost four or five. Baseball is a little different. Uh, but we've done, you know, pretty well. We've got, we've got a big network. We know guys, you know, all around the world, Vegas, Costa Rica, uh, you name it. So we share a lot of information. We piggyback some sharp information. We respect the crew. And we originate a lot of the games that we bet on. So when it comes to the NFL, I think, uh, you know, I think our opinion is one of the strongest. Our futures, people always tell you, don't bet futures. We've destroyed the futures market. And I've given a, a bunch of stuff out on free on Twitter to everybody. So, you know, that notion's gone. I destroyed that myth that you can't win in the futures market. And, uh, you know, if you got a niche, stick to it. If, you know, it depends on who the sports better is, man. You can, There's more than one way to skin a cat. I tell people all the time. And uh, do what you think you're best at. And if you got a good network and, you know, you're doing this, you know, sometimes I read 14 to 16 hours a day. So it's not like I'm looking at, you know, Don Best screen and saying, oh, I like this and I like that. There's uh, there's some weight behind our opinion. Uh, where, are you, where are you at on parlays? Because that's like a lot of the novice bettors who are new, um, they just took it away with FanDuel same game parlays. That was a big thing for just like the any Tom, Dick and Harry kind of better just to see $10, $10 on a thousand to one, you know, parlay. Where are you at on them? I mean, we were betting parlays down at Delaware Park before they kicked us out. But <laughs> why? <laughs> I never really found bad. out why they kicked you out. Why they kick you guys out? You're just killing them. We weren't even winning that much. It's crazy. Like they would print up the cards on Wednesday, and then by Sunday they wouldn't even move the line. So we sometimes we had three, four points. Uh, it was just nuts, and we were just betting them in all the different combinations. And we would have about we would have about six winning weeks out the year. But you got to remember, you know, parlays paid five fifty to one. So when you did the math, we were always ahead. Uh, but we just, you know, we turned a profit and they just didn't want anyone betting the sharp games. And then eventually they started limiting us. Uh, then they started throwing us out. And then I couldn't even bet futures down there no more. It was so stupid. But uh, so because they know, were idiots, they kicked you out. It's so stupid. I mean, <laughs> and you got to remember, like they, all those people that were going down there, we were such a small percentage and our hold wasn't even that big. I mean, we were winning, but it wasn't like we were winning a gazillion dollars. You know what I mean? So uh, I thought it was stupid of them to kick us out. And, um, you know, we do a lot of money line parlays in the NFL. Uh, but you really got to do the math with the parlays. And you can't go crazy. You can't go betting six-teamers and seven-teamers and five. It's just – they're just so hard to hit, man. Uh, but two-team money line parlays in the NFL, if you think you've got an edge, uh, some of the biggest wagers we'll make is when a team's offensive line is banged up, whether it's one starter or two starter. So uh, – you know, if you want to bet some parlays in the NFL, always look to that because if you don't have an offensive line to, you know, protect your quarterback, you really don't have a team. I don't care how good your defense is. I don't care, you know, how many great 
wide receivers you have on that team or tight ends. If you can't protect the quarterback, you can't really do much. And in the Super Bowl, you saw that. They couldn't protect Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he went backwards and sideways for about 500 yards. And as great as that Chiefs team was and as, you know, as, as high-powered as that offense was, they couldn't protect Mahomes. And it was a wrap. So uh, look, look, look at teams that are banked up on the offensive line before you play some of those uh, parlay wagers. I wanted to ask you this because now that gambling's become so in our face because it's legal and it, the, the commercials are like crazy, there's one company that's really combined their brand with gambling. And I wanted to get your opinion on what Barstool Sports is doing with gambling and then with a guy from the past in Stu Finer. Where do you kind of sit on them? I think they're entertaining. I think it's awesome. I'm all about the hustle, man. Like, listen, the Stu, what or not, I don't know. I, you know, people say bad things about him. I never really paid attention to him. But he's hilarious. He's entertaining. You meet him? And if you're going to pay 500 bucks to go watch a concert and get entertained, and at the end of the concert, you can rip a ticket and throw in the trash. I mean, what's wrong with watching Stu Finer if he entertains you and betting some games and having some fun? Now, we're not telling you to go broke betting the games, but I, I love everything they're doing. Uh, Portney seems like a solid dude, man. He's helping out all these small businesses out. I mean, he stepped up to the plate when no one else was doing it. You, you, there's nothing to complain about when it comes to Barstool. I, you know, I, I don't know much about them. I, uh, I know they were taking some big limits on, on the Super Bowl and props, so yeah. we were fine and we were making a lot of money. So yeah. I love him about that. But, I mean, listen, he's got a he's got some big cojones, man. He did it the hard way. you got to respect what he did. He worked his ass off. He built a massive company. I mean, he, his pizza reviews are awesome. I was a little upset that he went to Pika's and he didn't give it a higher review because I think Pika's is one of the best pizzas in the country. Uh, but he did like it. But other than that, man, the dude's aces in my eyes. Uh, he built a great company, very entertaining. I watch the videos when I get a chance. I, you know, I'm so busy, but I think the company's awesome. You ever met Stu Finer? I feel like he's like yeah, one of the OGs. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I never met him. I don't know. <laughs> how do you guys? Uh, how do you guys spread your money out now with all these these obviously different online books? Do you guys just kind of like? Is that how you kind of influence your lines now? It's just moving them all over the place on the online books, or is it a different system for you now? Well, you're always trying to camouflage your positions because there's guys with scrapers out there offshore. I mean, you'll bet into a sharp book and he'll have access. You know, someone will give it back and access to your account. And next thing you know, you go to bet it somewhere else in the line moving before you can even bet it. And you're thinking to yourself, what the hell's going on here? I only bet it on one account. You know what I mean? So everyone's betting it everywhere else before you can even get down. So you try and camouflage your accounts. Uh, you try not to hit the window. If you're going to hit the window, you know, an AC or somewhere else, you want to hit it as late as possible. Unless you, you know, unless there's opposition on the game and you don't think the game's going to move, the line's going to move. Uh, there's a lot of market manipulation being done. You know, we don't get down as much as we used to. And I don't bet as big as I used to. I mean, I'm so far ahead and, you know, I'm into so many different businesses now, real estate. <laughs> I mean, you name it. Uh, but we still fire. And, uh, you know, we bet a little bit, you know, on the street. You know, you got the credit limits with the guys on the street. You bet them, you know, at the casinos, you got to post up. Uh, the futures you want to bet, you know, with credit shops because you know you don't have to put the money up. You know, you got to wait a whole year to get your money back. So any any futures tickets we usually do, we try and bet them with you know the street guys. Now I'll post some. I'll go down to AC, and that's that's more for entertainment value that I put on Twitter. And look, I got a five thousand know, dollar future on Texas, or like I had a four thousand dollar last year future on date on the Dayton Flyers at a hundred to one, won it all, and, and they canceled March Madness, which really pissed me off. But the tickets I show on Twitter. That's just, you know, that's just fluff. Uh, a lot of the stuff behind the scenes we're doing, we, we try to camouflage. Is, uh, is Vegas Dave, he's just an imposter, right? 
I don't know the guy. I don't know nothing about him. Uh, another guy who can hustle his ass off. I don't know if he wins or loses. I mean, he's definitely not going 18 and 0. And I hate talking negative about anybody, but nobody's going 18 and 0 every day with whatever plays he's giving out. Uh, I know he did hit a big ticket on the Kansas City Royals. That was a yeah. real ticket for like $2 million. And uh, the problem is people want to talk about him, and I don't know what he is. You know what I mean? I don't want to say he's a fraud or he's not a fraud. Does he get sharp information? He's definitely not an originator. He doesn't originate the, you know, the games. Um, but the more people talk about him, the more pussy, you know, people give him. So if he isn't on the up and up, anyone talking about him is just helping him and mm-hmm. just sending him more people. You know, the consumer has to do their homework. It's buyer beware. And when the consumer sees some guy with Lamborghinis, you know, fancy cars, and he's at, you know, uh, you know, in the front, uh, you know, front court seats at the, at the Lakers games with the hot chick, well, you know what? They're not going to believe you because he's got all the money. So yeah. if you think he's a fraud, don't talk about him. That's the best thing you can do instead of sending him, you know, uh, traffic, because then people are going to be like, wait a second, this dude's telling me he's a fraud, but this dude's got all the money. Time out. This don't make no sense. So, you know, it's up to the buyer. Do your homework, do your research, uh, and just don't get burned, man. Be smart about it. When you sell picks for and your whale plays are, are minus four four thousand uh, oh, yeah. money line, it's like oh okay, thanks for yeah, the thanks for the pick, dude. I really don't know what he's giving out. I well, you you don't have to call it to him, but he's a fraud in my opinion. Yeah, like if he's giving shit like that, I, he's you giving shit. he is giving shit yeah. like that. Yeah, I just don't want to talk about him because I don't want to. That's true. I don't want to send him any traffic. Like you know what I mean? Like the less I talk about him, the less people can get hurt from him. And uh, I don't know the guy. Like listen, there's, there's some there's some sharp groups out there. He might make a deal with one of them, or maybe he already did, and he's giving us sharp information. But anytime you get laying minus four thousand or minus seven on it, obviously it's all bullshit. You know? All right, I lost on that Bucks bet. Yeah, that I bet yeah, the minus, Bucks, 5, minus five thousand. I lost. Right. <laughs> I mean, I just need I needed to get a win on the board. We were just keeping records. We weren't caring about units, but I was on the wrong side of that one. You said you were into multiple businesses. I have a business I've been pitching for years, and I want to throw it at you because I okay. think I think you'd be very interested in it, right? So you know how we have NFL red zone, right? Yeah. I'm a huge baseball fan and I don't understand how an MLB scoring position hasn't become a thing. It's a weekly, it's a nightly show where anytime there's a guy on second base, you cut to that game and that at bat. And if there's no one on second base, you just go to the marquee players. Wouldn't you tune into that every night rather than watch a Phillies game? I would if they start juicing the balls again and Sammy exactly, says yeah. back and he had some scoring. I mean, that was the best baseball ever was. Uh, I mean, the game, I don't know. It's just, I've watched it for so many years, and it's had its peaks and valleys, but that was the best baseball ever was. it? they they got to get some more scoring. they got to change some of the rules. These umpires with their strike zones, I mean, they got to go to the automated strike zone. It's just, they got to make the game better. they got to make the product better. And well, they got to get rid of the walk position. strikeout or home run. That's yeah. that's what it is. No, but I think scoring position, I mean, this is a billion-dollar entity. If you want in on the ground floor, I can write you in for six bill. You're opening up a sports bar. Uh, yeah, sports bar. It's, it's like a sports bar betting lounge. When you walk in, you're going to think you're on a sports book. It's going to look exactly like a sports book. And it's right in your uh, neck of the woods, right down Callahoe Street. Yeah, 19th of Callahoe, right? Yeah. When's right that, uh, that going to be built? Well, they just broke ground cool. like a week or two ago. It's going to take about 16, 18 months. It's a big project. There's 10 storefronts. 50 condos. Uh, we're trying to decide how big we're going to make the, you know, the sports bar. We're going to try and piggyback on a license. Maybe we can eventually get a license, a uh, sports book license. Uh, we would definitely want to have kiosks in there where you, where you go in there and actually bet the games. But these days you can bet off your phone. You can bet off mm-hmm. your tablet. I mean, 
you know, we wanted we wanted to feel like a sports book. When you walk in there, you know, we want you to think that you're in a sports book. That's going to be deadly for me. That's like three blocks away from where yeah. I live. Here's a second business idea for you. Now that I just want to be on the Philly Godfather uh, business, you can buy the Water Boys just for sixty thousand dollars a year salaries and benefits, and we'll do whatever you ask. I can take a tongue lashing like on anyone else. You can just yell at me. We'll I'll serve be the drinks. Guy you can maybe. yell at. We can serve drinks. We can do pod. We'll just anyone you want on podcast. We'll start podcasting with them. Well, we're actually building a podcast center. I got another property on Twenty uh, Eighth and. Uh, and Cambridge, right next to Marvin Harrison's bar. Me and Marv's bar were right next to each other for years. We're good friends. Uh, and we're doing a big podcast center down there. Anytime you guys want to come down there and use the facilities, you're more than welcome. We're mm-hmm. probably about two months away from that. Me and uh, Krause from Jacob Media, he's uh, he's doing it with us. And uh, we're actually going to have a little podcast room at the bar, too. So when you walk by, you'll see us on the radio or mm-hmm. you know, on different shows or TV, whatever the hell we're doing that week. But uh, you guys are always invited to everything we're doing, man. You guys are local guys, and any way I can help you guys, I'll help you as much as possible. Awesome. Well, well I got to write it down for sixty thousand a year <laughs> and benefits. Plus benefits you and having a kid. Fall. I need benefits a year, man. You gotta, you gotta ask for more than that. I, listen, I'm just trying to get my everyday sales job. That's all I'm trying to do. We start at the ground you, floor <laughs> and we prove it to you. So then you, on our next, on our yearly, uh, our yearly call, you're like, okay, yeah. you guys. I mean, next year we're gonna be like, listen, I'm gonna need at least 800,000 to stay exactly. on. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's called Listen, a living race. If you're bringing the money in, I got no problem paying there you, man. Go. Bring in two million, I'll give you a million of it. I don't care. Uh, perfect resumes in the mail. <laughs> we got one more question for you, and this one's sponsored by Kenwood Beer. So when you do open up that sports lounge, sports book, make sure you have Kenwood Beer on tap, right? They're a local, local, uh, local beer from Philly. Philly, uh, most refreshing beer, actually, in Philly. It's a little, nice little light lager. You ever had yeah. one? No, I never had one, but you know, I had a beer distributor for years down there. That Franklin beer was mine down there. Oh, no way, really? Yeah, we owned that since the 80s. Kenwood, did they, when did they start up? They started last year, about 10 days before the pandemic. Well, what kind of beers do they have? It's, uh, it's a lager for right now. This is their big one. This is their only one right now, but they're, uh, they're like I said, they're local. Yeah, they're uh, Philly, brewed down in um, off of Delaware F. Okay, yeah, we'll Mainstay. get them in there, man. Definitely, man. We support local. Absolutely. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, we'll See? Look at us making, know, making man, deals. Look at this. Making deals. Yeah. We, should, we just made our 60 grand right there. The price just went up, Ken Wood, if you're listening to this. <laughs> don't forget for, don't forget 10% for the big guy. That's fine. <laughs> well, that's fine. <laughs> so now I need to know, what's the, what's the biggest bet you ever cashed? Biggest bet I ever cashed. Man, there was a couple of them. This uh, past Super Bowl, that future was big for me. Uh, it was big because we also had – I think we had 23 out of our 29 prop bets on the Super Bowl, which is nuts. Eagles Super Bowl in 2017 was big. Uh, but this past Super Bowl, that that future had to be one of the biggest. I had five dimes at 50 to one on Tampa Bay. Okay. Um, we crushed the prop. It was it was a it was a great Super Bowl, man. It was one of the best ever. Uh 2017 was good. I had an 85 to one ticket on Texas Tech when they played Virginia, Ooh. that was a big ticket for me too. But we ended up hedging Virginia, so it was free money. Okay. You know I mean? so even though it lost, you know, when you bet futures, you're not necessarily thinking these teams can win it all. You just want them to go deep enough where you can make some free money. Um, what do you think about people that say if you hedge, you're kind of a pussy? No, I mean, listen, man. I mean, you don't have to hedge. Are you hedging the whole ticket? I mean, what are you hedging? Are you hedging 20% of the ticket? You know, mm-hmm. it, it depends. And if you do your reading, you do your research, and you feel strong enough about that game, there's been times I haven't hedged. But, you know, every once in a while, if you think it's the right side, you got to hedge, man. It's free money. Why I'm you- not saying you are, but people say. 
Yeah, you don't know what the hell they're talking. This is all about turning a profit. This is a market. You know, people don't realize, just like any other market, your main objective is to make as much money as possible. It's not your win percentage. It's not units. It's not all that bullshit. It's how much money can you make at the end of each and every year. And if you got to hedge a little bit to make some more, there's nothing wrong with that. Damn right. You call me a pussy for hedge, and I'll laugh all my way all the way to the bank. Be like, yeah, well. I'm going to go buy pussy with this. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, which one's the one that uh, it's always at, uh, at Delilah's down there? Was it you or, or, or the other one? That we're at Delilah's? Yeah. Yeah. I know one of you is always down there. Is it the other guy? Oh, you think, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, my wife listens to this. Don't tell me. That. <laughs> I do. Let, let him lost his balls real quick on this. <laughs> no, I'm not. I've never been down at the lot of Someone got scared real quick. Look at that. <laughs> no, I was just kidding, man. Uh, <laughs> Gary's wife, just for the Godfather's, just saying. kidding. I've never um, been to Delilah's, honey. I love you. Yeah. Great steak. <laughs> So I've heard. I'm just busting chops. Great buffet. <laughs> um, well, this was awesome. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely see you at the sports book whenever that's built. We'll see you around. I mean, I'm going to, I mean, I'm, I'm Morgan state started 15 minutes ago. So I'm hoping I'm, I'm in the green so far. Um, how do you feel about the Eagles future 30 to one? That's the last time I saw it. I don't know if it, it upped or down. I think it should be a hundred to one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That, I'm, not too high on them. I, I'm waiting for uh, to see who Washington gets as a quarterback. That team's real dangerous mm. at 70 to one. I mean, they had one of the best defensive lines in football. They can secure their offensive line and grab a quarterback. That team's going to be real dangerous. Dak's coming back. He's not – you might be able he to stinks. find some value on, on the Cowboys because uh, he's not going to be 100% for his probably five, six weeks. It's going to take him time to get adjusted to game speed. So they might not start off fast, but, you know, four or five games. wait to take season, that one? Yeah, you might be looking at yeah. – I mean, they're stacked. But then again, they're stacked every year, and Gary Jones finds a way to curse that team. So – I don't know, man. It really depends on who Washington gets. The Giants are dangerous. Giants are dangerous. Whoa. I love this Washington seventy one pick. Yeah. That one will be yeah. we're, we're gonna move the line with with uh with that future. I'm about to put my future kids college fund on that. <laughs> <laughs> gonna go to Harvard for free. Harvard. Well, I, went to, I went to Hot Dog University, man. So you know, I kinda respect that a little bit more than Harvard. Yeah. Slinging hot dogs since eight, baby. I mean, got you where you are now. So where can, uh, where can people find you on, uh, on Twitter? And then, uh, also, you know, plug your, uh, your website again. Yeah. You can stop by the Philly Godfather.com on Twitter. I'm at Philly Godfather. I give out a ton of free, uh, moves all the time, man. Uh, you know, we're not shy. We release them. We stand behind them and we win a little bit more than we lose. And we got a great new show with John Layfield. Follow the action. It's on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes. You guys know where to find all that stuff at yep. It's me, Layfield. It's rooster. The college kids, the eight ball, Harry Mays is on there with us every week. And uh, Gotham City, this week's episode was awesome. Gotham City actually dressed up as Batman and he came on. And uh, you got you guys got to check it out. Follow the action on YouTube. Wait, John Layfield, the the old wrestler? Yeah, yeah, he's on JBL? the JBL. Yeah, Jay's the best. JBL's the best. Yeah. No way. He's in the sports game. He's in the sports gambling game what? now. He's one of the sharpest sports betters you'll ever meet. Really? Hey, I mean, he's, he's cutting promos Martin. coming out of the limo. I never really thought he'd be a sports better. He's on Fox Business. He talks about the stock market all the time. He's sharp in any market. The guy, honestly, before I met him, he told me you're meeting this, you know, wrestling champion. I didn't know what to expect. And after talking to him for like two minutes, I knew this is one of the sharpest guys I've ever met in my life. He's, and he's a great dude. He's aces. He's genuine. He'll give you the shirt off his back. John Leaf is one of the nicest guys I've ever met in my life and one of the sharpest. Do you like Varney? Because he bothers me. And you don't have to say yes or no. Cool. He was cool with me. He loves me. So he brings he you on all the time. 
times, I mean, I I can't say nothing wrong. I don't I don't really know the guy, but every time I was on there, they were polite. They treated me like aces. And I have a funny uh, Alan Dershowitz story, but if we're running out of time, I won't. No, talk. we're not. I love an Alan no. Dershowitz story. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> It'll piss right, tooth well, himself. You know, the guy's one of the greatest legal minds in history. Yeah. And uh, we're in the green room about to go on Fox Business, and he's right there. I'm like, oh, shit, that's Alan Dershowitz. So we have a mutual friend. And uh, so I go up to Alan, and I said, Alan, uh, nice to meet you. Respect you. And, you know, I'm all suited up, looking professional. I got the perfect haircut. You know, I got, you know, the whole nine yards. I'm dying my hair. I look, you know, I look old. And uh, he's like, okay, who's your mutual friend? I go, uh, John Duty. And he goes, how do you know John Duty? I said, well, I was locked up with him in Yuma, Arizona. And he gave me a Scooby-Doo face. like, And it must have been like one of the only times in his life he gave out that Scooby-Doo face because he's, he's so short. Yeah. And he says to me, wait a second. He goes, you were locked up with John Duty. He goes, what are you doing here? I go, I'm going on Fox Business after you to talk about sports betting. <laughs> <laughs> and then he froze again, right? <laughs> and he goes, time out. <laughs> wait a second. He goes, you know, I represented John Duty on his appeal. I said, yeah, I know, Alan. He goes, I got his case overturned. And we start talking about Duty. And uh, it's a shame, you know, if you guys want to read up on him. But I really had Alan Dershowitz stuck twice uh, before he went on Fox Business. And then he gave me his card. We started talking. And uh, one of the nicest guys in the world. And, uh, you know, it's a cool Alan Dershowitz story. That's all. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a, he's a he's a prominent lawyer of his time, man. Got a lot of people yeah. off. Um, yeah. But this was awesome, man. I it went from everywhere from sports betting to Alan Dershowitz stories to pitching ideas with you. So um, yeah. we really appreciate it. And you're hey, welcome back on anytime. We uh, we really look forward to talking to you again. Yeah, just let me just let me know. I'll come on anytime you guys want. Anyway, I can help you guys. I help you guys. And if you guys want to do something with Farley Action, come on our show. Just let me know. We'll get you on. Cool, Ooh. awesome. Well, that's Philly Godfather. Go follow him. Go subscribe to his picks at thephillygodfather.com. Get your winners. The Winner Boys podcast was created and hosted by Gary Lay and Kyle Pagan with contributions from Jason Green, executive producer John Barchard, and our theme song is Telescope by the Pine Bears.